Welcome, everybody, to the news desk of the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. And I'm Donald Wine. And we are both, well, all of us, we are all both exhausted and enthralled by the conclusion of the CONCACAF Nations League, uh, the greatest competition on the face of the planet. Um, as you know, the March window is the conclusion of the group stage for the 22. 2022-2023 edition of the greatest tournament in global sport. And yeah, we've got a special guest coming on. John Arnold's going to join us in a little bit to talk more about Nations League. Um, but all in all, just like, it's as good as it gets when it comes to international soccer in the region. It was a fun window. Yeah, right? like sure. it, it was a It was a super fun window. I know we all got to go to the games. Eric and I were in mm-hmm. Orlando and Grenada. Jonathan Mm -hmm. was also in Grenada. Um, It it was just a fun week. I think that's partly why we're still tired because it was so fun. Uh, The sun, the sun in CONCACAF is very strong. The rum in CONCACAF (laughs) might be stronger, um, but we enjoyed both of them. We enjoyed a lot of both. Yes, we enjoyed a lot of a lot of things. Um, We will have upcoming. We'll just tease it now. We've got. Uh, laser focus episodes just ready to get knocked out from this window and great content coming down the line. But before we get to any of that, let's talk Nations League. So we're just going to kind of run through what ended up happening after these final games of the tournament. We'll run through the groups who qualified for what, and then we'll get to our interview and talk to John about more in depth about what to take from this window. So first off, we'll just start off in group in league a, uh, the group winners heading to the now official Nations League finals in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, winning Group A, Mexico. Winning Group B, Panama. Winning Group C, Canada. And winning Group D, the defending champions, owners of the greatest trophy in sports, United States of America. Uh, Donald, all these teams are going to the Gold Cup. And as well as the Nations League finals, but some other teams qualified for the Gold Cup because of their finish. Who are they? Yeah, so those are the second place teams in each of these League A groups. So in Group A, second place was Jamaica. In Group B, it was Costa Rica. Group C, it was Honduras. In Group D, it was El Salvador. So all four of those teams may not have qualified for the Nations League finals, but they did qualify for this summer's Gold Cup and will be a part of the draw when it happens on April 14th. And then looking forward at uh, the teams that have, have advanced to the Gold Cup prelims. So out of Group A, you have Suriname, Group B, Martinique, Group C, Curaçao, and Group D, Grenada. Quick side note. I know we talked about this on the preview episode, but I did notice Martinique did not have new uniforms with their new flag colors. Got to get, gotta get some new swag on that. We know. Right. We, I know a guy. <laughs> we know a guy. All yeah. right. So going on to League B, first place teams qualified directly to the Gold Cup and got promoted to League A for the 23-24 edition of Nations League. In Group A, Cuba is going up. In Group B, Haiti is going up. Group C, Nicaragua is going up. In Group D, Guatemala is going up. And all four of those teams are also going to the Summer's Gold Cup. And the second place teams in each of those groups in League B Again, they may not be promoted. They're not necessarily Gold Cup yet, but they do qualify for the Gold Cup prelims. And those four teams, out of Group A, it was Guadalupe. In Group B, it was Guyana. Group C, it was Trinidad and Tobago. And Group D was French Guiana. So those four teams advance to the Gold Cup prelims that will occur just before the Gold Cup starts in June. And then moving on for the last group of teams that have qualified for both promotion and the Gold Cup semifinals. So the group leaders or group winners out of League C. So uh, in Group A, uh, St. Martin, the Dutch side. Uh, In Group B, St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, Group C, St. Lucia. And Group D, Puerto Rico. So all those teams will be playing for a spot in this summer's Gold Cup in June of 2023 the prelims will be held at a location yet to be determined um the other thing to remember is because of the new format the last place teams in league a and league b are not getting relegated so good news the vinci are safe in league b for 
the next edition. All right. So we saw some great actions, some great finishes, but I think we need to get some great insight on this. Donald, who's joining us today? Yeah. So if there's one person who loves CONCACAF as much as we do, it's John Arnold. And John Arnold from uh, his subs, he used to be formerly of the striker in Texas, uh, but now own, operates his own sub stack called Getting CONCACAF. Look, with CONCACAF, he's getting CONCACAF. There's no reason why we wouldn't have him on this show. He loves Nations League mm. as much as we do. And so we are happy to bring him on here in just a couple of seconds to talk about all that happened in Nations League and really kind of discuss what went down in some of these games and how competitive they all were. So here it is, our interview that we did just a few minutes ago with John Arnold. We are pleased to be joined by a friend of the program, friend of the pod, uh, someone who covers CONCACAF better than we ever could. Uh, John Arnold is here. John, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm good. I think uh, this interim period between CONCACAF events is always tough. Uh, there's weird announcements that get made, but like for the most part, I'm just looking forward to the next games. Luckily, it was like a good uh, meaty Nations League window as i'm sure we'll get into so i've had plenty to to go over but yeah once the games are done there's a little feeling of absence plus you think like uh, you're like yeah cool it's done i i'm going to chill out and like relax and rest and it's like oh no like we're gonna i gotta write a newsletter i gotta Mm -hmm. send some stuff to other clients we're gonna chat like you know it's it's crazy but anyway all good don't don't worry john they have they have done a lot to keep us busy. They're going to have 75 different draws for the two <laughs> tournaments they have. We have a whole Continental Classico, you know, all state thing that we're doing. We have a bunch yeah. of stuff that they're trying to keep us busy with. That's that true. We, we know we they know why we need to be kept busy because we just got <laughs> off true. an incredible mm-hmm. Nations League window. That's true. No, listen, I, I I know you're joking, but like the truth is, at least we know what's happening, right? Like CONCACAF today is like, hey, here are the pots for the Gold Cup, and here's how the prelims are going to work. And we're going by seeding, just like we did last time. Like that information is progress. And, and anyone, I know you guys have been covering, mm-hmm. you know, looking at the region for a long time. Fans in the region who have been paying attention to stuff for a long time will know like that didn't always happen. There were like these regulations that would pop up by surprise. Like the fact that now we're like, geez, this seems like a lot, but we know what to expect is progress. Like, I'm not trying to say give them a medal. They're meeting a minimum standard, but that wasn't getting met. Even five years ago, I would say, even five years ago. For sure. No one loves to announce admin more than CONCACAF does these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, yeah, and there's so many changes. We can talk about the Nations League change, like, and, and, and Copa America qualification and all that. But, like, again, like, to me, at least it's like, hey, we can look at the ratings. We know what they are. We can, like, refresh the web page. Like, there are some <laughs> things that are happening that are positive. So. Yeah, if there's anything CONCACAF does well, it's make stuff up to do, you know? <laughs> always always inventing new competitions. So, John, I want to start our discussion by focusing on League A because we now know, of course, the four teams that are have qualified for the Nations League finals, uh, the, the semifinal and final, that's Mexico, the United States, uh, Costa Rica, I'm sorry, Panama and Canada. But when you look at those four teams, it felt like on the last match day, only Canada really had an easy go of it. I think the other teams kind of had some struggles. Uh, I mean, Mexico had their struggles. United States, I know they they all eventually won or drew, but they all kind of like had to claw, scratch and claw to get there. Is that, I mean, did that create some excitement? The fact that these final match days for most of these, you know, not just League A, but also League B and C had games where the it, the group was in doubt and, and determined by the result of some of the final games. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, that it was it was compelling 
And one thing that I would say to me that it indicates is that this tournament is working. Now, again, like once the format changes, what does that mean? We're going to have to kind of watch and find out. But, you know, a huge complaint for a long time from Mexico, from the United States, from some other, you know, maybe Costa Rica. I don't think Canada has been complaining that much because they haven't been a quote unquote power team for long. If they even are, they're going to have a chance to certainly put themselves in that conversation is, hey, we don't get enough competition within CONCACAF. Why do we have to do this? Why are you making us play this game? these games? And, you know, when the U.S. puts up seven goals on another League A team, those arguments kind of seem to carry some water. But then when they only beat another team 1-0 or they draw earlier in the, in the competition, you say, well, listen, like, if you cannot steamroll these teams as you claim you are going to, then why should we say, okay, we're going to give you the opportunity to do your own thing and be kind of quote unquote above CONCACAF. Again, these are not like, these are not the discussions that are actually happening, but these are the discussions that are being spoken about in a roundabout way by officials of certain federations with officials in the Confederation. So I, I think that it really speaks to what the Nations League is supposed to do, which is to strengthen that competition and to say, if you're not good enough, you're getting sent down. That was paused this year. But in theory, Grenada, you should go down. You weren't good. See you next time if you can qualify from this group. Haiti, wow, great job in League B. You're back. You can certainly try and prove your, your worth. So I, I think that le the, the League A competition level was surprisingly high. I wrote in the newsletter, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like four of 20, uh, I'm bad at math, bad at math, 20 some games that were decided by three or more goals. Every other game was two or fewer. So I think when you look at the margins, how teams suffered, how teams had to fight to get results, how teams didn't go undefeated you know no one was able to get this thing uh, through this thing perfect they've been asking for the level of competition to be raised CONCACAF put in nations league to try and raise that competition to force teams to care essentially to force teams to repair and so far it's working out through the levels but certainly in the top end i think the final four and people say oh mexico u.s in the semifinal whoops CONCACAF's gonna be mad i don't think so like you know fans from one of those teams are going to go to the final against Canada or Panama, and there's some narrative there. If it's Mexico-Canada, well, we remember what happened in the snow up in Edmonton. Like There are these lines that I think fans are smart enough to draw now where people are going to want to go to games, people are going to want to see these, these competitions. So I, I think the top level seems healthy. It's changing, so we don't exactly know what's going to happen in the future. And some of those teams, the top four from the CONCACAF rank, you're going to get a little bit of a pass. But um, ultimately, Donald, I do think this was fun, compelling, and, and competitive tournament, even if we ended up with three teams that we thought we would and Panama. I think the 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 answer, right, like, you know, getting to the four teams, the, the way that we arrived at it, even though we came to the, you know, like you said, three three contenders and then Panama kind of replacing Costa Rica. I still think it, it lends itself to the fact that these games were still really fun to watch. I mean, all of them were again, competitive. Like you said, most of them were competitive. You know, we, you know, the three of us went to one of the few competitive, not competitive games in the whole mm -hmm. window. Um, so you guys are the variable. Y'all are the problem. <laughs> yeah. We were, we're always the problem. You've yeah. met us. So <laughs> we try to be, <laughs> No, if there's uh, one... Oh, go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead, Eric. No, go, what were you saying, Donald? I was going to say, like, up. yeah, just, you know, when you're looking through these, and I know we're going to talk about some of the other results, but if you look at one result, what's the one that was the most surprising to you? I think... I wrote in the newsletter that wraps up the Nations League that Jamaica tying with Mexico... I feel like we're in a we're in there's a Jamaican hope cycle. They do something like this. They hang with Mexico. They have players regularly coming in as good as Leon Bailey. Michael Antonio unable for this window, but you think he's gonna be back. Some of the center backs that are that we're used to seeing, Ethan Pinnock. Andre Blake injured for this window, but you know he's gonna be back. And you say, man, this team could be really good. And then they put a couple good performances together. They don't win anything. The federation does something, or the coach does something, or the players do something. Something doesn't work as it's supposed to. 
And we go back to this other point in the cycle where it's like Jamaica's bad. And then you kind of like get back to this. They get some new eligible players. They get a new coach. They get direction. But to be at the at the top of the roller coaster feels fun. You think you're going to get a cool drop. You think it's going to work out. So I think that was the most surprising result to me. And and look, like you could say, well, Mexico's been bad. How? Why would you be surprised by that? Jamaica's on the rise. Yeah, but it's the Azteca still. It's it's Diego Coca's uh, first match at home, second match overall, and a Mexico team that had rested up for the Jamaica game. Like Guillermo Ochoa didn't travel, and other other top top players didn't travel, preparing specifically for that game instead of going to Suriname. So, I think to me that was the biggest surprise. You know, in theory, what I should be saying is that Costa Rica didn't win the group, but they've been so so rough, and and except for those magical. Seven games was it during qualification? And no surprise there, unfortunately for 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 Tico's fans because it just like it's more of the same and it's bad. So uh, I, I think the most surprising to me was Jamaica going toe to toe with Mexico at the Azteca and, and and doing it in a way that makes you think they're going to be some somebody that that teams are going to have to deal with in the Gold Cup. Yeah, and you talked about Jamaica having a new coach and being heading upwards on the hope cycle. Uh, just talking about Mexico, also new coach, Diego Coca. How do you think he's acquitted himself after this window? Do you think, where do you think the vibe level is, um, south of the border? The vibe is bad. The vibe is bad. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's no huge surprise. Right. But I think that, that one thing, I I don't mean to keep plugging the newsletter, but like tomorrow I have a piece that's going to be called the people versus the Mexico national team. And I think that the relationship has been really damaged. The headline for so many outlets in Mexico was not Mexico draws or, or even anything regarding the game. It was that the fans booed, the fans booed Ochoa, the fans booed the team, the fans booed Coca. And I think that there are so many things behind that frustration. One is that the Azteca, as Hector Herrera said, isn't what it used to be. And I think that's because you have a certain type of fan that is able to access the Azteca, afford the ticket, get on the train or take an Uber or whatever, drive to the Azteca and lives in Mexico City and is following the Mexico national team, but already has a certain type of vibe where you never see them play in Guadalajara. You never see them play in Monterrey. You never see them play in Tijuana. You never see them play in these enormous cities that have facilities, but maybe they have the wrong sponsorship name for the stadium. Well, Mexico's national team isn't going to play there because the official bank is X and the stadium is named after Y, right? There's all these other business reasons. But I think Coca is in a weird spot because he's a manager who built his successful teams in the past around being really good at the back, playing smart, playing his style established around a kind of tent hole, usually center back which he has if he wants it, right? I mean, there's actually several. You could do Cesar Montes, Johan Vasquez, Eto Moreno still kicking around. Like, there's good Mexican center backs. But is that the way that the fans want to see the Mexico national team play? Do they want to see Mexico grind out a 1-0 or a 2-2? I don't think so. And so I, I think he's in a weird spot where he has to sort of question, do I change my own principles to adapt to the expectation Or do I try and make the Mexico fan slash administrator slash whoever he's trying to please thrilled when I win a trophy by getting, you know, one nil results, nil nil, win a shootout, whatever the case may be. I mean, the thing is, like, there is attacking talent in Mexico, but not a great number nine option right now unless Chicharito comes back in the fold. Right now he's hurt. Santi Jimenez didn't look as good as... Mexico fans want him to look, did okay, but like yeah, maybe he's the next number nine. But those are those are questions that Coca has to answer. And so I think the vibe is like pretty rough because fans want a new taste after Tata Martino and they and they got a, a pretty familiar reheated leftovers version of Mexico. So before we move on to League B, I have one follow-up. Does Coca make it through the summer? In a way, I think he's always felt like a placeholder. For whom, I'm not sure. But I think when you look at the way he kind of got appointed, it almost seemed like the idea was, well, if this guy sucks, we can switch gears before anything gets too serious ahead of 2026. So I don't know what he would or wouldn't have to do to keep his job, but they got a Nations League semifinal against the U.S., 
If you lose that, the pressure's on in the Gold Cup. And they got a Gold Cup field that, like I'm saying, I think looks pretty competitive. So I hadn't even thought about it that way, Jonathan, but maybe no. <laughs> maybe I'm predicting say, that he doesn't even say, make it past six games, you know? I mean, I was going to say, like, what's the what's the benchmark for them, right? Because, I mean, for a program who expects to win every trophy and currently holds them, looking at my none, um, <laughs> like – is winning the Nations League but losing the Gold Cup enough? Is winning the Gold yeah, Cup losing the knows? Nations I mean, League I think enough? Like, right? In like, a way, Tata Martino survived multiple finals defeats to their biggest rival, the United States, because in a lot of ways, two reasons. One, he was Tata Martino. He had pedigree. He had trophies to point at. He is a known figure on the world stage in a way that Diego Coca is not. And two, he had this long-term plan, which he said, I'm going to execute this. And my goal is to get to the fifth game of the world cup. And you sort of felt like if you change something now, that will be damaged in a way that you're not going to be able to fix. And ultimately that is the harsh standard, not just of the Mexico national team. We can talk about Mexico fans being harsh, but ultimately all international play is really judged by what do you do every four years at the world cup? And I think like, it's really hard to meet that standard. And it's also hard because our sample size is going to be small. You're probably playing four games. If you play five in Mexico, you did it. Right. So um, yeah, I, I think, that that the standard set in a way was only for Tata Martino and it's entirely possible that Mexico says we're shifting gears then again like Bielsa if you say like oh he's the dream candidate well he was available right there's all these other guys who you could say well like they were kicking you know Pochettino was available when they were trying to hire Diego Coca are they just kicking the can down the road hoping that like Pep isn't kidding when he winks that he would coach a national team in the 2026 World Cup, even though he signed a Manchester City contract extension? That'd be una bomba. That'd be crazy. That'd be big news. But like, is that really the plan? Is that going to happen? Are you waiting for Marie? Like who? who? Like the, the state of the international game, which I, as you can tell from me being a total nerd, like I vastly prefer to the club game. Like the state of the international game is like, if you're a club if you're a successful club manager, why would you go to that? Like what if Tata Martino taking Mexico, I asked him like, man, why did you do this? And he's like, well, I kind of want to spend more time with my grandkids, whatever. And, you know, it's reportedly turned down Boca um, today or yesterday. So it's like, all right, like maybe that's true. And it gives you a different kind of like style of life, but all the kind of upward like Nagelsmann and, and Mourinho and, and Pochettino, whoever, like if you're this young coach on the rise and looking for your next opportunity, I, I don't know. I don't see it. So I think like it's entirely possible Coca doesn't make it through. But like, what are you what are you going to do after that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so really interesting summer for Mexico. Um, it's a lot about Ligue, but the great thing about Nations League is that it's the depth of Concacaf. So League B. What is your big takeaway from League B? We have the four teams get promoted. Um, what what stuck out to you? Well, let me go negative and then bring it positive. Uh, I thought it was extremely disappointing that the Dominican Republic didn't make it to even the Gold Cup prelims. Uh, I named them my loser of the of the tournament, I guess, for for League B. But this is a country that has ex- extreme potential. They're making they made the Olympics. We've seen them have youth success. We see players that are Dominican excelling in places like Spain and MLS. They didn't do anything wrong in March. You know, Marcelo Nevelov, the new manager, former Orlando City Academy uh, leader, uh, had them playing okay. They beat Belize, which Belize should be relegated. No relegation. Uh, and, and they drew with a good French Guiana team, but ultimately fell short and don't get promoted, don't get the Gold Cup prelims. I think it's too bad for soccer in the Dominican Republic, kind of trying to become this number two sport next to baseball where it's, you know, they produce quite literally like hundreds of great prospects. Why could you not do that with soccer? Um, So I I think that's negative. I think a really good story that I hope doesn't get cut short is Cuba. Um, Since they have been open to calling in their players based abroad who have not fallen afoul of the Cuban government slash sports setup, they've been incredible. Um, they've been really, really good. They got relegated from Ligue, but since then, um, 
rolled through. They lost their first game as well of the of the Nations League to Waterloo, and since then they haven't lost. It's been it's, they've only won. It's been five victories. Their back line is really good. They're not playing attractive soccer necessarily, but they're playing good soccer. Um, so I think that if Cuba is able to get the travel documents necessary to play in the United States in the Gold Cup, or potentially play in another country, uh, hush hush, that may be in the works. Uh, I don't know how you'd work that out if you do a draw, but from what I'm hearing, it might be possible that something like, uh, I don't remember what year, was 2019 was it? When the Gold Cup was in a couple yeah. different countries, that might be on the table. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, all that to say, if Cuba makes it to the tournament, I think they could be a quite interesting team. And not in the way that Cuba teams have in the past, where it's like, who is going to leave the hotel? Who is going to stay in the U.S.? <laughs> you know? The, the sort of like unfortunate reality of like what the Cuban teams have been mm. interesting for in the past. It could actually be interesting for how they play the soccer. So uh, I think that's a good story from, from uh, league B and the other one, like just kind of under the radar because it's boring. Haiti steamrolled everyone. Like, they were awesome. Mm. I mean, for how difficult it is to not be able to play your home games actually at home to have to, you know, deal with, with the, the frustration of everything happening back in Haiti you know, we saw Violette overcome difficulty and, and get past Austin FC in the CONCAP Champions League. Now at a national level, Haiti's back in League A, back in the Gold Cup, where they, in 2019, made it all the way to the semifinals. So it's no surprise, but Haiti back. Cool. <laughs> They're yeah, back, yeah. baby. Yeah, no, yeah sure. so um, moving on to League C. Uh, I mean, I think the big story is, of course, Bonaire absolutely throwing oh, it away going going into the uh, the last match window but um what are the other big takeaways from from that group or that league yeah i think that that absolutely is the most interesting story is bonaire 20,000 and change population had been doing really really well it's it's an interesting place i don't have my arms around it but from what i understand from talking to people doing some reporting there's a significant influence from uh, not just South America and, and like Venezuela, which is close, but like Peru and Colombia. So there's a lot of guys who have that sort of background. I think there's actually a team like in the league of Peruvian guys, if I'm not mistaken, called like Arriba Peru or something. Like it's just like very blatant, like, you know, what you would name. I mean, 20,000 people, right? Like it's smaller than suburbs of big U.S. cities, not even you know, big U.S. cities. So anyway, like St. Martin is double the population. It's the Dutch side of St. Martin and they take advantage of Bonaire's mistakes uh, and also forced Bonaire's mistakes because they smoked Bonaire in that first game 6-1. I think once that seed of doubt starts to grow, especially for a team that hasn't quote unquote been there before, uh, like Bonaire, and you're playing your first ever game at home, which is a cool story. The fans seem to be there supporting. Um, that pressure is is legitimate, right? So uh, yeah, so that, that's a bit of a bummer. I think the other stories, the two, two other stories that I would highlight both of the group, well, three. One, Anguilla didn't finish last. Uh, shout out Anguilla. Go Dolphins. Yeah, the, the Circley Dolphins didn't finish last, which is awesome. Um, but the other two, well, two of the other ones, St. Kitts went through, which I thought they should have. No disrespect to Aruba, but that's kind of sentence that only I have to say. <laughs> no disrespect to Aruba, but uh, but I thought They're they were going to go through St. Kitts and Nevis. But uh, the other two winners, St. Lucia and Puerto Rico, I think are interesting for different reasons. St. Lucia, coached by Stern John. Wow, that's uh, pretty cool. And, and seems to be kind of actually going on a path. They didn't try and qualify for the Men's World Cup. I was like, hey, what's going on with this? Talk to a few players. Everyone was frustrated, but at the same time, it just seemed like the administration had no direction. Since then, uh, they have a good, well-renowned coach who everyone's heard of. Uh, they've played multiple friendlies, including that really fun friendly series against um, San Marino, the, the European minnow. And they were ready for these games. So they're going to be in the Gold Cup prelims. They're going to be in the UB and they've earned it. Puerto Rico, on the other hand, you know, they still are able to get through undefeated, but changing coaches from Dave Sarachan, from what I understand, he was open to staying, to continuing to coach Puerto Rico. Now they're in the Gold Cup prelims, which I think is probably the biggest moment in Puerto Rican soccer, men's soccer history. Maybe there's an old school Caribbean Cup or Olympic qualification or something that I that I've overlooked, but to me, it's a pretty big moment. And um, 
to have uncertainty on the bench when you had this project of convincing young players, often based in the USO, some based in MLS academies, others based totally different places, South America, Europe. And then to kind of shift gears, I think is, is a real shame. So Puerto Rico goes up and look, maybe they'll shut me up and, and maybe the new coaching staff will be absolute wizards. But um, I think it's a real shame. It sounds like maybe there's some sort of plan in place. And they're also dealing, the Federation is like fighting the Olympic committee because of how they're being classified. So like there's all sorts of stuff that's happening in the background that could be influencing those types of decisions. But for a, a, a country or commonwealth, but the team that plays as a country in these international competitions and, and can fly that Puerto Rican flag and sort of be that representative. I, I, I don't understand it. So hopefully it becomes clear soon. <laughs> quick, yeah. quick thoughts on Dave Sirikin finding out he had been let go when they announced his replacement. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, look, I, I, for some reason this keeps happening too in CONCACAF. So yeah, I, I, that was, uh, I think from uh, one of the Puerto Rican uh, blogs or, or coverage sites. So like, I, I talked to Remco Vicentinia from Curacao, who's back leading Curacao now, but he found out that Goose Hitting was overtaking him when he was like on a bike ride and his daughter texted him. Don't do that. That's not cool for any job. I don't, I don't know. I really don't, I really don't get what Puerto Rico is doing because like, it's one of those things where like, sometimes you see mismanagement or just weird decisions and you're like, yeah, sure this federation is known for this or, Ooh, I knew that would happen when this leader left or whatever. Puerto Rico, it's like the same president, same. There was a change for sporting director, but like, it seemed to be even a positive change there. They're announcing these women's projects. They're announcing like stuff that seems good. And then all of a sudden it's like, we got a new coach and it's this dude who's going to give us continuity. Cause he was old Dave's old assistant back in the day. Kind of. It's like, what? But is Dave coming back? Like, is he just taking this window off? That was like what I thought maybe they were doing. But yeah, stop. Listen, if we, I'm not an HR expert, but if you're a CONCACAF uh, FA and you need fire help with your first. HR, <laughs> talk fire to me. First. Yeah, fire, fire them first. I'll do it for you. I've, I've had to ask the tough questions before. But uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> well, we'll get going here soon. Um, we really appreciate it coming on, but just quickly, this is where we've got through our second CONCACAF Nations League group stage. That obviously, this competition is very important to us. Do you feel that this tournament is a success at this point for CONCACAF? I think it is a success for CONCACAF. Look, like what I think it's hard to keep in mind sometimes when you keep seeing the same teams playing the U S playing Mexico, playing Canada, whoever you root for, if you're one of the power team fans, a fan of one of the power teams mm -hmm. is like, this is a huge confederation. They have Anguilla as a member and they have just as many votes as the U S does. So you kind of got to keep them in mind. And, and I think like it's been a success for those countries a hundred percent. Mm -hmm. I think for the bigger countries, it's been a success and you could say maybe 90% because yeah, maybe they're having to play games that they don't love, but at the same time, people I think are excited for the final four. I think you're increasing the competition that you're facing internally within CONCACAF. And, and, and I think that's needed. Like you, you have two choices. You can break away and do your own thing. You know, Australia leaving Oceania and joining Asia. Say, hey, we need better competition. We want to be with this group. We want to have these teams. Or you can try and actually help the competition increase by making your region stronger. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but those are really the two options, right? Leave or help. And mm -hmm. I think like in a way with Nations League and with some of the changes that are being made, you're seeing those teams get help. It's not going to happen over two tournaments, right? Like, Think about how long some of these teams have been putting projects in place to try and win on the field. Now multiply that times 35 or whatever. Like it's just yeah. not going to happen just right away that, that all these teams that have this potential are going to be good. You know, we didn't even talk about Guatemala. They get promoted. Guatemala's population. I was looking the other day, enormous, like way bigger than I thought, like a, a, a legitimately like not compared to the U S but like a big country for Central America. They should be mm -hmm. rolling through and they're not. But they got suspended from FIFA a couple of years ago, right? And they're rebuilding everything. And it's not going to happen 
just overnight that you're going to be have development programs and have young players come through and have U20 success and U23 success that that, that necessitates time. And uh, I think I don't, the changes I think are like kind of not short-sighted, but maybe reactive rather than proactive where it's like, ah, oh, we got to figure out how to qualify for this Copa America. We got to give our big teams a couple of days off, whatever. But ultimately, I think if they keep the idea of the Nations League the same, and it's probably not on CONCACAF, like CONCACAF will probably keep running this thing back. It's probably on FIFA, right? If FIFA mm-hmm. starts to do the the ideas that they have, where it's like, what if we did a worldwide Nations League and all this stuff? It's like, I don't know, man. I mean, like as fun as it is for San Marino to come over and play St. Lucia, like I don't, I'm not going to tune in for League G of the FIFA World Nations League. But if they keep it reasonable, if CONCACAF can keep sort of providing this to their teams, I think they will. And I think the evidence of that is in the fact that they're launching it for the women's game as well. So I think it's been a success. There are things to tweak, but ultimately, if they didn't keep doing this tournament, which from everything I understand, they want to keep rolling, uh, it would be a shame because I think the, the, the steps forward that the majority of the region have taken through the tournament have been big steps. Yeah. Like CONCACAF itself, it's not perfect, but it's ours. So we're going to continue to embrace it. Uh, John, we really appreciate you joining us. Obviously, when it comes to Nations League, we want the best. So appreciate you coming on. Uh, You talked about your newsletter. Love reading it. I'm a big fan of it. Can you tell people where they can find you? Yes. Uh, and like CONCACAF, he says, not perfect. It's ours. My URL is uh, a little too complicated. Also like CONCACAF, <laughs> getconcacaf.substack.com. You can Google getting CONCACAF, which is the name of the newsletter, and it'll pop up or bang or I don't even know chat GPT. I haven't tried that yet, but Alta at some Vista. point, at some point, yeah, Alta Vista, I asked Jeeves the other day. He knew what I was talking about. I'm, I'm for subscribers that are paying. It's 50 bucks a year for the full experience. You get a premium edition Monday and Friday. Everyone else gets a regular edition on Wednesday, which has a lot of good info. I'm four premium subscribers from a big milestone, and I'm 20 and change free subscribers from uh, 4,000, which is like, hey, you know, that's 4,000 people reading about CONCACAF, which isn't exactly as popular as, you know, the NFL or whatever. So I really would appreciate if people do check it out, put your email in, get the free list, or toss 50 bucks a year for the full experience. Uh, I'm close to those milestones. So I'm like, can we get there? Can we get there? So you'll get fingers there. Crossed. Yeah. Thanks, you're, <laughs> you're about to get the world of CONCACAF bump. So hopefully we can close, yeah. close it down for you. Honestly, this premium edition worth every penny. I, I can't say enough about how much I enjoy seeing that pop into my inbox. Every I appreciate week. that, man. That's, that's the idea. They're not all winners, but uh, most of them are, uh, are worst draws. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I I am trying to create something that CONCACAF fans are happy to see in their inbox. I know everyone gets a lot of emails. I know everyone has to pay for a lot of stuff these days, man. I mean, yeah, Apple yeah. TV for MLS and Paramount Plus. I'm like, I get it. I get it. If you're on the free list, that's cool. Bump me to 4,000, baby. But uh, but yeah, obviously, I can't pay my bills with the free list. So yeah. uh, it, it, I am trying to create something that people are thrilled to see in their inbox when they get a lot of emails. They're like, I'm going to read this one right now. Uh, so that that's a, that's a real thrill to hear, Eric. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. And what's your Twitter handle again? Oh, is that still... Okay. Uh, as, of, as of right now, it's show. relevant. I'm going down with the ship, man. I haven't joined the TikTok or anything. I'm going down with the ship. So it's at Arnold, comma, C-O-M-M-A-J-O-N. Uh, I have a blue check until tomorrow, I guess. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We'll be chatting you, with you soon. Hope to see you in Vegas, maybe? I think so. I think so. If I were a betting man, I'd say, bet I'll see you there. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. See you. Much love. All right, we're back. Thank you again to John Arnold, the patron saint of CONCACAF, as far as we're concerned. Um, Again, you need to subscribe to his newsletter. It is is necessary content. And just a personal shout-out, I didn't get a chance to mention it to him. I just thanks to him. uh, His recap newsletter that went out this week, I believe it went out on uh, Wednesday. He did feature one of our tweets in his newsletter so you know shout out to the the for the brand look i will say there was i i forgot which tweet that we had uh, a couple nights ago it was just some innocuous tweet about nation's league 
And I saw some of the likes that were coming. I was like, oh, here's some journalists who were like treating us as real news. I, I don't I, I don't. <laughs> this is a new feeling. Yeah, I like it. Keep it coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you listen to our laser focus episodes, news is not our forte. We're not the bringing nonsense. We're not up. We are. We are about nonsense. And that's what we try to stick to. But speaking of nonsense, there's going to be a lot going on in the desert this summer, because as we mentioned, the top teams in League A, the four group winners, will head to the 2022-23 CONCACAF Nations League Finals to be held at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, June 15th and 18th. You'll have your two semifinals on the 15th and your final and your third place game on the 18th. In the in the semifinals, the U.S. takes on Mexico, and then on the other semifinal, Panama takes on Canada. And before we even d- dive into like what we think, what we're looking at for this, are we shocked that Concacaf actually let the U.S. Mexico play before the final? Yes, yes, <laughs> I am. Yeah, I yeah. Because that's there's, normally there's how they shift it. Yeah, I mean they set up the Gold Cup specifically for these two teams to face each other in the final. So yes, I'm shocked. Yeah. I do think it's great for CONCACAF that we're actually getting, we're going to have fresh faces. We're going to have a fresh final. U S Mexico are actually the only two teams from the last nation's league finals to advance for this one Um, with Costa Rica and Honduras, not qualifying this time, Canada and Panama finally getting a chance on the world's biggest stage. Um, And one of them being guaranteed to go to a final. I think it's really refreshing for CONCACAF and great for honestly great for Canada because if they're going to talk about how they think they're the kings of CONCACAF, then they're going to have to prove it. You know, I just I just can't just it blows my mind how much shit they talk (laughs) for a nation that has won fuck all like they haven't won a trophy in the region since 2000. Yeah, I mean, they claim some like bullshit made up like stuff. And They hosted that one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they hosted that one. But like it just it blows my mind because yeah, they're still on there like I and I don't even think they understand how CONCACAF works because like they think the US schedules all of this stuff. Um and uh, that's not the case, but I mean, yeah. you know, they're a bit thick I just up th- there. I, I just I, I just don't like them saying that they're kings of CONCACAF when you know, I, I I joked with John Arnold about all the no, all the uh, trophies that Mexico holds. I, I'm still checking my notes. Zero still. <laughs> and let me check how many that Canada holds. Also zero. That's funny. It's it's like the United States holds almost every single trophy that exists in CONCACAF. And I'm talking about every single trophy that exists in CONCACAF from the Ruta to the Tuta, like the, the, the earlobes to the toenails. <laughs> we own all that shit. So I, I like I think it's funny for that. But on a serious note, like. The other thing that kind of perplexes me about them setting up U.S. Mexico in the semifinal and not kind of switching this around is that it makes the the game that's happening in Phoenix in a couple of weeks all the more dumber in a way, right? Because now they're <laughs> yeah. facing each other two games in a row. So you either like we already knew that game was a friendly where it's not going to be a lot it's of not the know, A team. It's not the A team. I mean, you're calling in MLS players or probably calling in League MX players. It's n- I mean like. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be like a one of those friendlies in the sense that it's U.S. Mexico is always competitive, but like in proverbial sense, they're going to be kicking the ball around because like not giving away tactics, not giving away things like that because they don't want to give away anything that our opponent that their opponent could use in forty five days from then, or I'm sorry, it'll be almost two months from then where they're going to meet in Vegas and play for something real. Like so, it makes a it's almost like last time where we played Costa Rica. Then we played in the Nations League final. We missed Costa Rica because they they went to extra time with uh, with Mexico. Went to penalties, I think, if I remember correctly. And then we played them in a friendly like two days after the yeah. Nations League final was over. And I'm like, yo, none of these guys want to be here. Like, not, like neither team and none of these fans want to be here. I know. I was there. <laughs> none of us want to be there. So well, and the I think thing, it's weird the, that they set that up that way. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like it's even dumber when you think of like Phoenix and Vegas aren't far from each other, like you're pulling in a, like regionally a mm-hmm. lot of the same uh, people. And so it just, uh, you know, but I, I like that. There's going to be a good fight, like a, a new final, Eric, like you said, mm-hmm. 
I just think it's and they wanted I think they did that because they want the guaranteed USA Mexico game. And but like this is I mean, just like you know, to quite in basketball, this is like you know, last year when Duke and UNC were in the final four, everybody's like, yo, you don't set up these teams <laughs> ever to be on the same side of the bracket. If you're gonna meet, meet in the meet in the final. Don't meet in the semifinal. This is these games are never small. This is the biggest game in sports. USA Mexico is the biggest game in soccer on this side of the world and most of the parts of the world. It's one of the biggest rivalries on the planet. And you're setting it up for a semifinal. Like that's that just yeah, that it's weird. That's just weird. Well, it, it does the one thing that I did think about, and John had talked about it as well, is that with all the pressure on Diego Coca in Mexico. He's going to have a chance to at least leave Vegas on a win because I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement that we believe the U S is probably going to beat them. They're going to be able to play another game. They're either playing the final or they're playing the third place game. And if they can at least get a win there and kind of have some momentum into going into a gold cup that they expect to be a favorite for, it might be good for them, but they finished fourth in the seating for this. So are they going to finish fourth in the finals? Wouldn't, wouldn't mind it, but you know, we'll see. I think, I think the part that John Arnold was talking about Diego Coca and, and kind of like the pressure, the weird pressure that he's under, but that he doesn't have kind of pressure, right? Like he's they a lot of people view him as a caretaker manager, but he was hired over guys that people think that are going to replace him because they're already free. And so the question like for again for Mexico if he go like Tata like he said he kind of escaped. Tata went lost two finals and got beaten in World Cup qualifying and then drew them but had a scoreless draw on home soil. So in the span of a year and just like over a year, not even a year, he lost three times and drew once to his biggest rival. And Diego Coca is not going to get, and he survived all that and still got to go to the World Cup where they flamed out, right? Coca is not going to have that same kind of leash. Like, if he loses one of these things, I could see him getting let go because he wasn't even supposed to be hired in the first place. Like, yeah, the Federation yeah. had people, or the report was they had Bielsa, and Bielsa said yes. And the Federation is like, we're hiring Bielsa and a couple of managers from clubs, from big clubs like America and Chivas were like, no, nah, we don't want him. We're going to bring our guy in and you're going to hire him. And the Federation was like, okay. So like, it's, it's super, they're in a super sticky situation because again, they have nothing to show for it. They're not going to the Olympics. They're not going to the women's world cup. They fired every manager that they've had. They fired their whole sporting department and they have a grand total of zero trophies in the last like five years. Like nothing about what they are doing is working. And their answer is to hire this guy and then maybe keep him beyond June if he manages to pluck off a win in the nation's league. So like this is it's it's super weird, but I, I want American fans to not get complacent because Mexico's still pretty good, right? They can still beat the United States in this in this tournament. We don't want that to happen, but it it like despite don't let them their their like you know whole house being in disarray and having the like real world you know mad real world type of fights <laughs> lead you to believe that they're in any way unprepared for this. Like we need you know, the United States needs to be ready for this too. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're gonna wrap it here. I do want to just give out some shout outs. First of all, to the people of Grenada, uh, had a great time there. Um, shout out to the president of the FA, Sizzle Rocks. Sizzle. We'll talk more, Sizzle. We'll, we'll talk more about that in our laser focus. Uh, also want to shout out Gerwin Lake of St. Martin, who ended up the leading scorer of all leagues, finishing eight goals in this nation's league. So shout out Gerwin. Um, also want to shout out Bonaire, opened your, Brand new stadium, first home game ever. That kind of blew it. To great. The, it looked great. They lost to Turks and Caicos, but really excited for Bonaire and their future. Um, and shout out our patrons. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Um, we wouldn't do it out with your support, especially. Go ahead, Donald. I was going to say a shout out St. Vincent oh. and the Grenadines. And a special non shout out, a special non shout out 
to inter-Caribbean airways. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for that laser focus episode. We got those coming up. They're in the oven now. Um, you'll get, and there, there's, there's, we have some video too, um, that'll be, uh, that I'm working on, working (laughs) on editing together, but there is, uh, there is, we got some content. Yes. Um, but as I was saying about our Patreon, you will get some of this content, including some special photo galleries of things that we saw on the islands. Um, patreon.com slash podcast. I did want to shout out our newest renewed patron, uh, Andrew Breezy. We love you. Praise Breezes. Um, And you can support our podcast there, patreon.com slash podcast. Follow us on social media at podcast, P-O-D-C-A-F. And if you want to email us about something, podcast at gmail.com. Donald, you got anything else? Nope. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Machen's League. Let's do it again. Jonathan, you got anything? No, nothing, nothing else. But uh, I'm just ready for ready for more Nations League. Yes, I am ready for Las Vegas. Let's go gambling. Let's win some money. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. We'll see you in June.